Not afraid to tell it like it is. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon till 3 on AM 900 CHML. Let's bring in Marvin Ryder, business professor at the Group School of Business, McMaster University. Lots to talk about, including uh, Sears, uh, the price of oil, and uh, we can't let him go without his thoughts on LRT confusion. Uh, and uh, by the way, Marvin is with us now. Good afternoon, Marvin. How are you today? I am fine, thank you, sir. Thank you very much for taking the time. We appreciate this. Let's start with Sears. It seems it's a, dis- a discussion we've been having for the last little while. Uh, the first quarter results of Sears are in, and sales have dropped on its big brands. The retailer now saying it's looking for more options uh, for some of its businesses and services. Is this just another nail in the coffin, Marvin? Mm-hmm. So first I need to make sure uh, that everyone hearing us understands that there are two different companies with the name of Sears. There's Sears Canada mm-hmm. and there's Sears in the United States. And today's news involves Sears in the United States uh, losing an, an awful lot of money again and really seeming to be a retailer that just has lost touch with consumers. Now that's hard to believe because they still sell billions of dollars of products, but you wonder at the rate this is going if we're not watching death by a thousand cuts here. They just can't seem to get their act together in the United States. And so today what they were musing about is that, okay, maybe as a retailer we're not doing well, but we have some brands that people like, Craftsman for tools, Die Hard for battery, Kenmore for appliances. Gee, I wonder if we can leverage that. And so what they were musing about today is maybe we could actually take these private branded products and sell them through other retailers. So you might go to Home Depot and you might be able to buy a Kenmore dishwasher, or maybe you could buy Craftsman tools at Home Depot or at uh, a hardware store of some sort. That, I mean, that's a very interesting concept, and I think that's a wonderful idea on Sears' part. I just wonder if it's being too clever too late. Now, I, I, before I give this back to you, I should say that Sears Canada is in a slightly different boat. Sears of the United States sold a big chunk of their interest in Sears Canada because they needed the cash, and it was a, a group of holding companies that bought it. They got a new CEO, uh, a new chair of the board, and then they went about clearing house. So almost, um, I'd say at least three-quarters of their senior executives have been with Sears Canada for less than two years, and they've all been given a mandate to think new, think fresh, think different. Uh, earlier this year, Sears Canada has announced that in 120 days, so that's four months, they were going to radically change their infrastructure for uh, information technology. They were on something like 280 different platforms with some systems that went back 20 years, and they said, not good enough. We want to put Sears Canada on the cloud and move away from all that. So I'm really actually quite excited about Sears Canada and the energy they're showing. They don't have results yet. They still are not making the kinds of money that we think they're going to need to make. But I like the way they're dealing with it here. I don't like what's going on in the United States. And we could very well see the American company fail and the Canadian company survive. Uh, can one learn from the other here? I mean, at the end of the day, it's two different companies, but it's the same image, same brand. Well, yes and no. So Sears in the United States also is, wait for it, Kmart. Yeah. Now, you haven't seen Kmart in Canada for quite a little while, but Kmart is still going on in the United States. And so they have a bigger issue here. They've got a bigger footprint. They've got more brands in the marketplace out there. And it's a, you know, like you've got a much bigger tent collapsing around you. How You need that many more tent poles. So I think they could learn from Canada from all of this. Assuming, again, Canada can get its act together. Now, I, I don't want to be negative about this. I know people's jobs lie in the balance. Sears Canada had had quite a problem because they went through four CEOs in four years. Mm-hmm. And every new CEO came in with a fresh idea, lasted about nine months, and then someone plucked them away. 
The good news is the new CEO and the new executive team have been there past that one-year threshold, so now they're looking like they really are going to be there in the long run, and I like their energy. Yes, I think Sears of the United States could learn from them if, if, they can start to show the kinds of, of improvements that are needed, but we're still waiting to see it. But at least I like to see the plan and the energy. In the United States, everything is just tired, and it really does seem like a, an old retailer lumbering around, kind of waiting for someone to blow up the light. So what gives you the confidence in the Canadian operation, just that there seems to be at least a vision and, and, uh, and uh, you know, at least the, uh, the vision to look forward and to, to, to charge their CEOs with that? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in a concept, Scott, I call tone at the top. So whoever, your chair of the board, your CEO, the senior people, when they speak, they're really setting the tone for the organization. Now, the previous four CEOs, they had good tone, but they weren't there for very long. Right. This person seems to be setting, they all seem to be setting exactly the right tone. They seem to recognize the problems, and they even seem to be wanting to implement solutions. The problem before was no one hung around long enough to implement anything. I'm liking that fact now. It doesn't mean they've got it right. You know, I, I, tone is not everything. Execution is just as important as the tone. But I like that. In the United States, we don't even have the tone. The CEO is not giving you the kind of reassuring comments you'd want to hear as an investor. Just again, to give you a sense of it, in the United States, Sears is considered a stock to sell. So if you visit an analyst and you say, I own Sears, they go, why are you doing that? Sell, 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 sell. Believe it or not, in Canada, Sears is being listed as a stock to buy hmm. because the analysts here see that difference in tone and hopefully in execution. U.S. just bigger and taking longer to fail and realize all this? Well, in part, you know, it's, it's a, there's a lot more people in the United States, and the brand means different things in different areas. Yeah. So Sears, uh, oddly enough, had the high ground when we started to move to Internet buying. If you're buying from a catalog, that's not really any different than buying on the Internet. And they, they did a great job back in the 1990s as being one of the pioneers in that area, and then they lost focus. And so now Amazon has moved into that space. It's hard to take that ground back uh, from somebody like an Amazon.com has moved into it. I think it's possible, but you have to be really clever and nimble. And the other challenge is that they are so big in the United States, and when I say big, I mean all the real estate they yeah. own, that if I'm a bank wanting to lend the money, I can loan the money, not against their performance, but against their asset base, because I'm still covered. You know, if, if they yeah. go bankrupt, I can grab the real estate and sell it and cover my loans. So they can get this line of credit they need to survive, but from a business standpoint, you need to have a plan, and they just don't seem to have it down there. How does a company that has such strong brands like Kenmore or Craftsman, how do they fail? <laughs> like, like, how does it people want their brands more than they want the store itself? Yeah. So I, there's two different answers to this. One, of course, is consumers themselves. You know, we are constantly evolving our needs and wants. And at one point in our lives, we like classic things, so brands get rediscovered. It could be a beer brand. Oh, my gosh, Black Label. Gosh, how cool that is. Oh, remember when that came back. Oh, you my know, goodness. Oh, my God, I'm, I'm channeling something from the 50s. It's cool. But then it will fall out of favor. And right now, Sears is not considered the the hot, trendy retailer. Amazingly enough, and I know, hold on to your hats with what I'm about to say, Target yeah. in the United States seems to be the trendier brand in the United States, the brand that failed in Canada. They seem to have picked up the space, and Walmart. And to Walmart's credit, they are a very innovative company. They keep trying new things. The Superstore, which combined the old department store with a grocery store, has done very well. And Costco, who's coming to the warehouse buying 
Sears did not respond to any of these kinds of innovations, and you can only sit on the sidelines so long before people begin to say, well, I don't think they get us anymore. They don't understand us. They, they understood us in the 50s and 60s, but they don't understand in the 2010s. Sears is your parents' target, really. Yes, yes, to many ways, or 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 your grandparents, uh, yeah. Five and Dime, or or yep. Woolworth. You know, there, it was in, in its day, but you have to keep going, and, and sometimes that means saying goodbye to some of your older customers to say hello to the younger ones coming up. Uh, how much of this has to do with clothing? Do they got to get out of this, or either you know, fish or cut bait here? Mm-hmm. Well, there I think they'd be well advised to take a page from the Hudson's Bay Company, who said, you know, rather than filling up a store with our own brands of clothing, let's create boutiques. So when I go to the Bay to go shopping, I've got a Ralph Lauren boutique. I've got a, I don't know, Tommy Hilfiger boutique or whatever brand you, you like. They have the little boutiques under the one roof. So I still offer you one-stop shopping, but rather than trying to sell you my brand of clothing, I've given you the brands you want, and now I'm giving you that convenience of service. Sears uh, kind of stuck in the middle. They're not right at the very bottom, and I, again, I don't mean to characterize Walmart down at the bottom, but it's very serviceable clothing. Mm-hmm. You need jeans for your kids that aren't going to burst out, or socks, because kids go through socks like crazy. Great. We'll go, to, we'll go to Walmart and we'll get those. If, on the other end, I want something designer, well, then I'm going to go to Neiman Marcus, or I'm going to go to Nordstrom, I'm going to move up there, and they're kind of caught in a no-man's land in between. I'm not sure it's good for them to go downscale, I think maybe if they moved more upscale and created these boutiques within the store, that might be a way to go. Hmm. All right, let's move on from Sears. Let's talk about LRT confusion. Uh, reason being some developers are confused and, and, and aren't really sure what sort of message they're getting from city council. What does this do from a business perspective in the city and, and, and address what the developers are concerned about? Hmm. So in building the LRT, the, the, one of the arguments for this, along with just efficiently moving people east-west in the city, was that it would stimulate development along the corridor. Knowing that this was going to be there, people would either take you know, empty properties like parking lots or take old buildings and, and renew or redevelop and build condos and towers and all that lovely kind of investment along the corridor. Now, in fairness, I was not aware that developers had already begun to do this. I thought that would happen once the first shovel went in the ground in maybe 2018 or 19. Then once you got the shovel in the ground, people would say, okay, now that's where the station is definitely going to be, so I want to be within 100 meters of that station or that stop, whatever happens. Because right now the plans are still very much in flux, and I I just didn't think they'd got there. So the news from Darko Vranich and as well from Leuna, who said, look, we, we are today making investments in things because we see the advantage with the LRT came as a little surprise to me. Good for them that they were quick off the mark and good for them that they have already analyzed this to find out where their opportunities would lie. But it just reminds City Council that this is so much more than just a way to move people east-west across the city that Mm. if it really delivers on the promise that it's supposed to, and again, I have to be clear, that's that's a projection. We never know these things for certain, but if it really does deliver on what the promise is involved, then we're going to see more of these developers building condo projects or or mixed-use housing or or even social housing in this corridor, knowing that that stop is going to be there. I just didn't know it had begun to happen already. Uh, Premier Wynne the other day uh, kept this ball rolling by by, when she was informed that uh, council was was still going to vote to reaffirm its position on all of this. 
Uh, what does it say when a premier uh, has to address a city that it's just giving one million or sorry one billion dollars to? What sort of message does that send? Yes. Well, uh, I think she was absolutely stunned. Uh, yeah. She knew a year ago that people said, "Well, you know, if the province doesn't step forward and give one hundred percent funding, we're not behind it." So she stepped forward and gave one hundred percent funding, and everyone seemed to be happy with it. A year later, uh, probably surprised that there's going to be a reaffirmation vote, would be totally floored if the reaffirmation vote went no. Hmm. So, you know, wait, wait a minute. We found a billion dollars. We told you we'd pay for everything, and you're walking away from it. Now, that doesn't mean that she's going to, you know, cry in her sleep. A billion dollars she doesn't have to spend. That's good news for her. She doesn't have sure. to budget for that or find that money. But it would then say in the future, if we went back to the province and said, okay, sorry, we didn't want your billion. What we want now is $300 million for bus rapid transit. And if you give it to us and you cover all the costs, the stops and the buses, what have you, you know, we'll do this. Well, then we become a bit of the boy who cries wolf, because if she does that promise and then you have to reaffirm that, really, once a decision gets made, you should go forward and find the best way to implement it. And I think that's why she's caught flat-footed on this. And does it seem uh, to make sense to fight for less money, like a BRP? I mean, it just doesn't, uh, you know, it, or BRT, rather, it just doesn't seem to make much sense. Uh, no, we don't want all that money. We only want a third of it. <laughs> yes. Well... You know, it, it could be, if, the, if there were some solid reasons, let's suppose that engineering along that route, someone's done core samples over the 12 kilometers, and you find that there's, I don't know, quicksand down there, mm -hmm. or, or some clay, or rock formations, or something that, that could take a billion-dollar system and make it worth $3 billion, and now it's not feasible to construct it. Sorry, we should have done that first, but we didn't have that information. Sorry, can we switch to something else? That would be a perfectly legitimate argument, but we don't have that data all we've really had so far was a new analysis of the route and how we were going to handle traffic along that route, including, in some cases, you know, uh, uh, getting rid of traffic altogether for some small part of the route, in other cases, running the, the train down the middle of the highway. It, it is interesting that once it started to become that extra step real, how people have begun to back away. Mm. Um, and I think that's the problem. You know, to me, it's never the concept of something that's the problem. It's always the execution of it. It goes back to Sears. It's not, not having a good idea that's the problem. You've got to execute it. I just don't know when people voted for it if they didn't realize the cost of execution or what execution would look like. But <laughs> once, once we get this vote, then hopefully, all right, if, this, if the vote is yes, we're not going to keep doing this every year. Wait a sec, Mar Marvin. You brought up a point. What's to why aren't we going to do this every year? Who's to say this is the last re reaffirmation vote? Why not do it every year? Why not do it every month? Why not do it every stage of the way? I mean, again, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna accept a check and then a year later hold a, a, a reaffirmation vote, what's when do you stop holding them? At what point do you go? Okay, this is the one that's going to count. Right. So that, you know, that's absolutely bang on. Uh, the mayor pointed out, and he is correct, that uh, by affirming the, the route, you're still not committing to where the stations are going to be. So there are further approvals that have to be made. But now it's more about executional details. It's like picking the colors of the stations. Do we want pale green or right. pale blue? We're still building the station, but you get to choose which way you want to go. That's We're rapidly getting into that standpoint. And I'll just tell you one 
one quick thing about Sam's reaffirmation motion, and this may be changing even as we speak, but part of his reaffirmation really wasn't that he thought council wouldn't vote yes. He assumed they would vote yes. But the other part of his reaffirmation motion was to call upon Metrolinx to actually get the billion dollars from the provincial government and put it into a little safe bank account in case in 2018 the Liberals are not elected. Uh, and if, say, the Conservatives or the NDP became the government of the day and they went, oh, now we've got a different view of transit, well, what does that mean for Hamilton? So he wanted to reaffirm and then call on Metrolinx to get this money and protect it. That, to me, was the more significant part of the vote. It's interesting that the first part, which I don't think Sam thought was going to be at all controversial, has been the one that slowed everything down. Marvin Ryder has been with us, business professor at Groot School of Business, McMaster University, talking everything from Sears to LRT. Marvin, as always, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. We'll do anytime, Scott.